This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Good evening. How's everybody? Hello. Welcome. Good. Good to see you. You you look good. You look good. You smell pretty good. Everything's good. So can, can we just take a second and, and remember the, the combo of the strings and the keys? Those two. Yes. Come on. Can I get an amen? Right? Woo. I love those two together. I could just sit there forever. It's amazing. So uh, my name's Corey. Uh, for those of you that I have not met, good to meet you, kind of. Um, my family and I recently moved to Austin, Texas. Uh, we are starting a church there. Austin Life Church is what it's called. Uh, our hope is to lead people to Jesus and to devote our lives to loving God, loving others, and making Christ known. Oh, there we are. We're kind of, there you go. So that's, that's my family. Um, I'm married to Stephanie. She is a straight dime. Amazing. I'm married way out of my league. Uh, she is an amazing wife, mother, business owner, Market 22 Clothing. She does so much. It's incredible. Michaela is there in the middle. She's 10, fifth grade. Molly is over here. She's seven in second grade. Macy is five and just started kindergarten. Uh, and Miles is, he'll be three next month uh, and basically runs the show. Um, so that, that's our family. And, and what I love about, like, they would have loved to have been here um, because they, they absolutely um, love you guys. And, and here's what, what I've, I've noticed in them and from, from y'all is that somewhere there, there's a 10 or a seven or a five or a three-year-old that adores you and looks up to you. And, and my kids are some of them. And so my request, lead them well. Like, lead them to something better. Lead them to Jesus. Don't lead them towards self-centered narcissism. Lead them to something better because there are people watching you and learning from you. And, and you've got a big responsibility. Uh, and so that, that's my hope uh, for you guys. Um, it's so good to be here. It's so good to be back. Uh, I, love, I love this area. I love you people. Um, man, school is back and going. I love the start of the year. Anybody else prefer to go back to school or you'd rather be summer? Seriously? No, no. Raise your hand if you'd rather go back to school. Like, I, okay, there's not, man, I thought it'd be more, like, I was always bored by the end of summer. Like, I needed something to do, and so I was ready to go back to school. Uh, but even more so than that, I think it was just the idea of new starts and fresh beginnings, like all the possibilities that could come from the new year. Like, man, who's going to be in my class? Is she going to be cute? Um, don't act like you don't think it. You all do, right? And, and you know, what's it going to be like? Am I going to make the team? How, am I going to finish a book this year? Like, what, what's going to happen? There's just all this anticipation and wide-eyed hopes of what the year's going to look like. And then we're going to get on Facebook, and we're going to make our album, and we're going to be like, ah, 2017, 18, you know, and we're going to take our pictures and stick them on there. And we just want to tell a story of our lives. And, and and here's my hope. Here's my hope for, for tonight and tomorrow and this year and the years after is that the story your life tells is the story of one who's been sent by the king, by the peace of God, for the purpose of God, and in the power of God that you've been sent to do more than just live a life here, but you're living for something bigger. And so that's my hope for tonight. That's my prayer is that God will speak to you. And that you'll hear that message from him, that the words that he has will come, come alive and transform you from the inside out. And so I just want to pray for a second and invite you to pray with me. Uh, this is not me praying and you just sitting passively. This is us praying together and God, God, asking God to speak to us. And so uh, would you pray with me for just a second? 
And would you first, just between you and God, would you ask God in your own words to speak to you and to make his word come alive? And then if you would, would you please pray for me that God would speak clearly through me and they would be his words and not mine. God, we are grateful to be here. It's a privilege to gather together. And just ask, Father, that as we look in John chapter 20, Father, that, that you would speak to us and that we would see and hear and know you more. And it's in the name of Jesus that we ask. Amen. So have you ever been scared? Anybody? Yes? No? Cool. Like, and not, maybe not just scared, like immediately, like, and maybe just a time, like, of total fear, like you thought everything was crashing in um, around you. Like, I, I think we've probably all had those moments. Uh, and, and that's where the disciples in John chapter 20, which is where we're going to be, if you have a Bible, I, mean, I invite you to turn to it and go to it. The verses will be on the screen as well, though. But, I mean, that's what's going on with the disciples in John chapter 20. Absolute terror. And so I, I want to read, and then we're going to talk through some verses, and then we'll, we'll just kind of move through these verses together. So starting in verse 19, chapter 20, it says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were, were for fear of the Jews, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And we had said these, these words. He showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples, then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. So here's what's going on. You know, we're kind of jumping into John. And so what's happening? This is Easter Sunday, the first Easter Sunday. Jesus has just raised from the dead. And it's, he's appeared to Mary and he's appeared to some others. But for the most people, they haven't yet seen Jesus. And so there's still a lot of doubts and questions and insecurities about what is actually going on. And so you have these disciples huddled up in a house grouped together, doors locked behind them, absolutely terrified for their lives. Just, just terrified that at any moment someone's going to come in, some mob is going to crash in, drag them out and kill them. Because it was only just a few days earlier, if you, if you remember, where they were gathered together and a mob shows up with, with, with uh, torches and, and clubs and weapons. And what do they do? They drag Jesus away. No, no care for him. No, no concern for his safety. They beat him. They ridicule him. They mock him. They nail him to a cross. They stab him with a spear. And then they throw him in a grave. Because these people hated the movement of Jesus. And so they took Jesus and killed him. And these guys were literally afraid that they were next. They thought they might be next, and so they are in a house, doors locked, fear surrounds them, uncertainty is outside. Do we go outside? What do we do? What do we do about work tomorrow? What do we do with our families? Are we going to make it? Is this going to be okay? Is everything going to come together? Absolutely just blown away in fear. It completely grips them. And then, and then Jesus shows up, and, and he stands among them. And he shows them, he says, peace be with you, and he shows them his, his scars, he identifies himself. And I love what's happening here. There's, there's a lot of significance in this. There's really two things, one that's a little deeper and more spiritual, and one that's just practical, right? Let's just, let's, let's remember that the Bible is written with real people in real lives in real time. 
And so imagine that you're with these disciples, right? You're in a room, you're in a house, door locked, afraid for your life. Like you're peeking around the corner, you're looking out the windows to see if a mob is coming. You're terrified for your life. And then all of a sudden, someone that wasn't there before, no knock at the door, no, hey, can I come in? Someone just automatically appears. You know, you're looking, turn around, boom! Like, two things can happen. It depends on the person that gets scared. One, flight, right? Turn around, scared, ah! You know, it takes off, right? Like, that's one option. The other person, we've seen this with Peter, right? Gets scared, pulls out a sword, cuts off some dude's ear, right? Things could get a little chippy in there. Like, it could go south really quick. Man, I don't, I, I love, I, I don't know why I really love scaring people. I love scaring my wife. It's, she hates it with a fiery passion. She despises it when I, but there's just something in me that keeps going back time and time again. So I, like, I just love coming up behind her and scaring her. But like, if she has a brush, she will throw that thing, right? Like she, so you probably encounter that, man. You know, depending on the person, this could go really bad really quick, right? And so Jesus, he said, peace be with you. Whoa, whoa, hey, 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 it's me. Check it out. Check out my scars. Look at me. It's me. It's me. Peace be with you. And when they recognize that it's Jesus, it says, then the disciples were glad. The, were glad. The, the, man, the translation doesn't do a good job. It's really, they were overjoyed. Jesus shows up, and where there was fear is peace. And when there, where there was grief, there's joy. And what Jesus is really trying to get to these guys, and what, what I believe Jesus wants to speak to us tonight, is that in your darkest night, when, when it seems impossible for anybody to break through, when it just seems that everything around you is caving in, that's when Jesus steps in. That's when he moves near with an invitation for peace instead of fear. Joy instead of of grief, freedom instead of shame. And it's an invitation we all desperately need, right? Because we've all had moments like this, maybe not exactly, maybe not where we're, we're, we're surrounded in a room, doors locked because we really think someone's gonna come kill us, but we've all had moments where we're afraid, where, where, where we're, we're surrounded by fear, where there's uncertainty and doubt and questions and we just maybe want to lock ourselves in a room because of the shame and the guilt of, of what happened and man, just nothing, there's no brightness, it's all darkness around. We've all had moments like that, right? The, the last year for me personally has had more fear and anxiety that'll last a lifetime for me. More sleepless nights, I'm afraid of failing, I'm afraid of disappointing people, I'm afraid of letting my family die. I'm constantly like, God, I'm, I'm so afraid all the time. This is this battle. You've been there too. Anxiety for the start of a new year? Is it going to be better than last year? Because last year was not good. Am I actually going to have friends this year, like real friends who care about me? Unknown for the future, man, college is coming up. Where do I go? What do I do with my life? I got to have all this figured out. Who am I supposed to be? Like, what, how do I handle this? Maybe it's the hurt from betrayal. You, you thought you had a friend, but man, that friendship really didn't work out. A breakup of a boyfriend or a girlfriend you thought was going good and then out of, out of nowhere it just ends. Maybe it's a diagnosis of a, of a cancer for a mom or a dad or for yourself a marriage that's falling apart. We all have moments of fear 
and anxiety and uncertainty and doubt and hurt. We all do. And what we do when something's broken is we look for a fix. We look for an answer, right? We, we try to find something. When it's dark and we're scared of the dark, you look for a light, right? We, we try to grab hold of something that will be solid, that we know we can lean on, something or someone that will get us through this. When, when I was in high school, I think about this. Um, Stephanie, my wife, she wasn't my wife then. Um, so us and some friends, we, we go on this camping trip, and we're tubing down the river. I don't even remember which river. It's one of these in Texas. Uh, but the river was really high and fast because it had had a lot of rain. And so everything's fine, right? Like, if you ever tube the river, it's, unless there's good rapids, it's just boring. I mean, you just sit in a tube and get sunburnt. Um, so, eh, not, not so great. But this time, there's rapids because there'd been a lot of rain. And one of my buddies somehow popped a tube. How you pop, like, that thick inner tube, I don't know, but he managed to do it. Um, and so we're like, no, no big deal, cool. Six of us will just kind of stretch out across these five tubes. Like, they can, we can float, which was fine until we hit this stretch of rapids. Stephanie and I are in the back, and the, first, the other four are in the front. Well, if you understand how, how things in front of you work in a rapids, they get pulled before we get pulled, and thus it just flips us over out of the tube, and we are now being thrown down these rapids, no tube. We're hitting every rock on the way down. Like we are literally fearful for our lives. She has scars on her wrists and her side from the rocks that were just crushing into us. And the entire time, I'm, I'm trying to hold on to her with one hand, and I, I remember grabbing for rocks, for something that would stop us from just getting destroyed in this river. And then finally, I grabbed onto a rock, pulled ourselves out, and we're, we're alive, thankfully. Um, but <laughs> that's what we do, right? When the waters of life seem to just kind of come over us and it's tossing us about and we don't know what to do and we don't know the answer, we don't know who to lean to, we try to grab onto something, something that will give us hope and say, hey, this is going to end. It's going to be okay. It's not always going to be something that will tell us we can do this. And the question for you is what are you grabbing onto? What do you go to when things are falling apart? When you're afraid, when you're uncertain, when it's not making sense, what do you try to anchor into that will give you hope and get you through? What do you try to anchor into? Man, so, so often our culture is like, oh, be, you're, you're strong enough. Just be, be better. Like, kind of put your nose to the ground, dig your heels in, and just go. You'll be okay. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Like, you can handle this. Or, or maybe when, when something over here is hurting and you don't know how to handle it, you, you replace it with something over here. You kind of mask it. If you're insecure, I can mask it by being the funny guy. Then everybody laughs at me, and I don't really have to deal with the fact that I'm terribly insecure. M maybe it's, a, it's another person, right? W when things are going crazy, we think, oh my gosh, like this... She just gets me. I, I, I need her to be here. Like, I've got, she, please talk to me. FaceTime me. Let's talk. He, he's my go-to guy. If he's not here, I don't know what I would do. I would just fall apart. Maybe it's a fix of a high or a drug or something that just kind of escapes from, from everything. And the reality is none of those will work. No person, no thing is strong enough to pull you out and to be everything you need. It will all let you down at some point. It will always let you down at some point. Thomas Aquinas has this brilliant quote that I think is spot on. He says, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, 
and our heart is restless until it rests in you. There's only one rock that is strong enough and able to bring peace where there's fear. There's only one anchor that is secure enough that when everything else is falling apart, he's not. Jesus. Only Jesus can bring peace where there's fear. Only Jesus can bring healing where there's guilt and shame. Only Jesus can bring joy where there's grief. Our hearts are restless until they rest in him. And the greatest area we need peace is in our relationship with God. We're created by him and for him, but we've all chosen to walk away from him and do our own thing, and the Bible calls that sin. And when we do that, it separates our relationship from God. It breaks that relationship apart. And we will never be satisfied until we're back in relationship with God. But that sin separates us. It brings conflict, no peace. And so Jesus comes in to fix what we broke. Jesus comes in to do what we could not do, to give us peace with God. And, and it's, it's, it's important that Jesus showed the scars, right? Because Isaiah 53 says, by his wounds we are healed. The punishment that brings us peace with God, it's in his scars. That's how we have a relationship with God. The greatest peace we need in our life is with God, and only Jesus brings that peace. And the fact that he's standing in that room, the fact that Jesus is alive today tells us that it's incredibly possible and that nothing is too difficult for him. Nothing is too difficult for him. You think it's, it's, it's locked away and no one can get through and nothing can fix this situation, it's impossible? Well, Jesus is the one who goes through doors that are locked. Jesus is the one who can come near when it doesn't seem like anybody else can. And you think, man, my sin, it's too much. Like, I, I know that God accepts me, but does God really love me? Remember who Jesus is coming to. Every one of these people, when Jesus got arrested, bailed on him, took off. Peace, I'm out. I ain't sticking around for this. And yet Jesus comes back to them. What? Jesus moves near to the sinner, to the broken, to me and to you. Like there is no sin too great that Jesus' love isn't greater. And he moves in. And he could have stood on the outside. He could have stood back and been like, hey, remember when you left me? Remember, remember this? Well, I'm alive. Like I'm pretty great. So, I mean, if you want to come on, come on. No, no, no. No, Jesus comes to them. He doesn't expect you to get your life together first. Jesus moves near. There's no rock as solid as him. There is no source or person or thing or fix or anything else that can give you the peace that our hearts are created for. Only Jesus and the invitation is yours. Peace be with you. Receive it. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in guilt or shame. You don't have to live in uncertainty and doubt peace be with you. The invitation is made. Will you receive it? You see, Jesus starts with peace because it's the peace that moves us, that sets us free to then live for him. If we're still bound up by the chains of our sin, we can't walk in freedom. So Jesus comes and he brings us peace, and that's what sends us forward, sends us out to live for him. And Jesus says this to his disciples, and he's saying this to us, Verse 21, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. 
Jesus comes and he brings peace and then he says, the same reason that God sent me here, I'm passing that on to you. The same purpose that Jesus walked on this earth day in and day out, Jesus entrusts that purpose to you. It's like a relay race. He takes the baton and he passes it on to you and he says, hey, finish the race I started. Run the race that's set before you. Jesus, the king, entrusts us with his mission. The same reason that Jesus came is why we are here. If you have received Christ, that is your purpose. And so you can imagine the disciples thinking back and be like, okay, why did Jesus come? Well, we saw Jesus serve. He came to serve, even, even serve those that, that didn't like him so much. Remember that Judas dude where he's washing the feet and he comes up to Judas, the one guy who he knows is going to betray him. And what does Jesus do? He bends down and he grabs that dude's dirty feet and he washes them with his bare hands. Man, that's a servant. They say, well, okay, well, we saw Jesus come and welcome the lonely. Man, the person that most people didn't welcome in, Jesus sat down at the table with. There's always an open seat next to Jesus. Anyone's invited. We see Jesus come and he heals the sick. He cares for people, tangibly cares for them. We see Jesus fighting for the rights of the, the outcasts. But all of that points to one primary purpose. And we see that in John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The reason Jesus came was to do the will of God by leading everyone to find life with him. Everything Jesus did was thought through, does this honor God? Does this glorify God? Does this make God great? And will it help everyone around me see the life that they can have with him? That is the purpose that Jesus came and he's entrusted it to us. His purpose is our purpose. The reason as a Christian we exist is to glorify God with everything we do and to tell the world around us how they can have life with him is to make God great in everything we do and tell the world around us, everyone around us, how they can have life with him. And it's gonna look different. We're all united as one, but it's gonna look different for each of us, right? Like I've just been flooded, we've all been flooded with these images of Houston. Man, and you see all these different rescues. I've seen people in a boat, I've seen people with floaties, I've seen people on a paddleboard, saw this dude with a horse going into the water and pulling people out. You got helicopters, you got jacked up trucks, you got all these different ways, one purpose, rescue. That's it. They're all going to rescue people. Y'all, we have friends who are drowning in desperate need for help and we've been entrusted with the answer. It's going to look different for all of us, but if you're a Christian, we all have the same purpose. You're sent out to glorify God and to tell everyone around you how they can have life with him. So if you're a 10th grader, your goal is not just to get to 11th grade, although I encourage you to get to 11th grade. That's a good thing. Um, your goal as a 10th grader is to tell all the 10th graders around you how they can have life with God and to lead them to praise him with you. If you're an athlete, your goal is not just to, I don't know, make varsity or score a touchdown or get a scholarship. Like, those are all great things. But your goal as an athlete is to honor God in the way that you play sports and to tell everyone around you how they can have life with him. 
And, and, and your job in the future, it's not just to get a paycheck or have a job, although those are good things. It's to honor God in the way you work and tell everyone around you how they can have life with him. Our lives as a Christian, we've been given a mission. And it's to glorify God with everything we do and to show people how they can have life with him. That's our purpose. And Jesus, man, he trusts us with it. He sends us out. You're sent. This is what you're sent to do. This is your purpose. This is your mission. And so if you're sitting here and you're starting to think like, man, that's kind of a big deal. Like, I get why Jesus came to do that. He's God and all, but I don't know about me. Like, I don't know that I can do this. It's, it's, it's kind of it's too big for me. And you're right, it is. You're in the right spot. It is too big for you. It is too big for me. It's more than we can handle, but not for God. Nothing is too difficult for God. The impossible is made possible. Remember Mark 5, there's the demon-possessed guy. Nobody can do anything about it. They're like, we throw our hands up. Nothing can fix this. Then Jesus shows up, changes everything. You got a woman who's been sick for years. Man, she's wasted all of her money on doctors who can't give her an answer. They're like, we don't have an answer. Then Jesus shows up. He's the answer. The guy's been blind since birth. He's never going to see. He's not going to know things around him. Then Jesus shows up, opens his eyes. Jesus is nailed to a cross, spear stuck in his side, buried in a tomb. He's dead. It's done. It's over. Then Jesus shows up. Man, Jesus is in the habit of making the impossible possible. It is too big for us, but it's not too big for him. And so rather than sending us out on our own, like, hey, good luck, give it your best shot, we'll see how it goes, God gives us the very spirit of God to work in us, and he gives us the message of the gospel to tell the world. We don't even have to get original. Like, we can just copyright this stuff. I don't even know if that's the right word. Do you steal copyrights? I don't know. God, plagiarize, thank you, thank you. I haven't been in school in a long time. Plagiarize it. Just take it straight from here. He's given us the message. He's given us the power. That's what he tells them in the end of, of those verses. He sends them out and he says, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Spirit of God comes upon you, and then you will be my witnesses to all people. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead, that took a dead man out of death for three days, walked out a tomb, that power God has put inside of you if you are a Christian. Like, we overlook that so often. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of me. The only thing getting in my way is me. It's just me. And then he gives us the message of forgiveness. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. That's huge. You've been entrusted with the message of forgiveness. The greatest peace that the world needs is to know that their sins before God are forgiven. And if you've trusted Christ, you've received that gift. And if you don't tell people about it, you're holding that gift back. We're holding the gift of forgiveness back. What if somebody didn't tell us? We've been entrusted with this and we've been given everything we need to live the mission of God. The question is, will you? By the peace of God, 
to bring us into relationship with God. For the purpose of God that in everything God would be glorified and we tell our friends about Jesus given the power and the message of God. We have everything we need. The question I ask myself, the question I'm asking you, will you live it? Will you devote your life to honoring God and making him known to the world? I want to invite you into a time of response. And by that, we just mean you talking with God. Not, not with anybody else, it's just you kind of sitting before God with his words, what he said, and listening and responding. And so I just want to invite you to, to close your eyes, and there's nothing fancy in that. It's just kind of a way to dis- you know, tune out distractions because we're all so easily distracted. And if you're willing, would you, just, would you just hold your hands out in front of you with your hands open? You don't have to, but um, I just find for me that when my, my fists are gripped, it's, I, I don't know, I just feel more tense. And when I open them, there's this outward sign of, all right, I'm, I'm ready to receive. So would you do that? And God, I want to ask that you would speak to us. God, your words are the only words that matter. Your power is the only power we need. God, your presence is greater than anything else. That's, that is all we need is you. And so, Holy Spirit, right now, in our lives and in these students, would you move in power? Would you bring freedom where guilt and shame and fear has bound up? And would you bring peace and life? If there's someone who hasn't trusted you, God, right now, just bring them to a place of surrender. Amen. Inspire us with your love. Compel us forward that all of our days would be devoted to you. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com. 